to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast, coming to you from the Playdraft Studios with your hosts, Mike Wright, Ben Cummins, and Chris Meany. Welcome into the podcast, young at heart, old at heart, old in mind, spirit, whatever you are, we love you. Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. This is DFS for the rest of us. I am your host, Mike, the Fantasy Hitman, right? I am here with the usual suspects, my co-host, Ben Cummins. You can find him on Twitter, at Ben Cummins FF. How are you doing this fine, fine day, Ben? Well, it's the third show, and I'm still here, which means I haven't been fired yet. So I'm taking That's that good. as a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a good sign when you make it through three shows. <laughs> and uh, the yin to his yang, Chris Meany from the Fantasy Sports Network. You find him on Twitter, at Chris Meany. How are you doing, Chris? Uh, I guess I can echo that. Still hanging around, uh, so feeling pretty good. But, I mean, if football's here, guys. Like, preseason drafts are happening. Uh, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. At the time of this recording, we uh, the Hall of Fame game is is going to take place tonight. And hopefully the the bloodbath of training camp will ease up on us because it's it's already been a pretty rough one. Please. So, like I said, welcome to the show. This is the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you for joining us. We are going to be talking some strategy. We're going to be talking about how we go about selecting running backs for your DFS lineup. If you've missed the first few shows, we did a full-on DFS 101 going over the complete basics because like I, like I said this is DFS for the rest of us some of us have not gotten into the, to the daily fantasy sports yet and this this is the perfect way for you to get your feet wet learn what's going on be prepared when you log into the sites and, and, and not be intimidated be ready to go so check that out the DFS 101 and we also had an episode talking about how we go about constructing a guaranteed prize pool or GPP, those big money tournaments, creating a lineup for that. So before we get into the, into the running backs, I just want to remind you, you can find us at thefantasyfootballers.com. That's where uh, the, the home, the resting place of the ultimate DFS pass, which is your one stop for all the DFS information that that you're going to need over the weekends can get that for a, a nice one-time low price uh you find it at the website or just ultimate dfs pass and that includes uh, articles from ben from chris and uh and from uh chris's one of chris's co-workers jake seeley so before again before we jump into running backs i want to remind you about our dfs pass giveaway we need some we need some reviews on this show and if you can go ahead and leave us a five-star itunes review take a screenshot of that and tweet it to at the ff ballers with the hashtag ballers dfs we're going to be giving away a handful of those so now with all of that out of the way let's get into running backs fellas are you ready let's do it let's do yeah. it yes <laughs> we uh, yes we're apparently ready we're ready <laughs> all right so we'll start tonight let's go <laughs> yeah ben, ben has to get his his uh, preseason lineups in because he's he's just absolutely itching to go. I'm getting my D-Gen on for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's short for degenerate. That is correct. Your D-Gen? I'm curious who you're even rolling out there in that game. We're like, not getting into Rod that. Rod Smith. Rod no. Smith, baby. <laughs> Get out of here. All right. Let's talk running back. So you're, you're logged in 
or I mean, you, you're you've done your research or doing your research, I should say. What are you looking for? We'll start with you, Ben. What are you looking for when you are researching running backs? Yeah, well, you know, you first have to look at the landscape of the position, kind of what we're doing in redraft, and look at does it make sense, like we've kind of talked about in the past, to go cheap, or are you going to want to pay up for those studs? And it made sense to go cheap a couple of years ago, like we've said on earlier podcasts, because the position died, right? But it resurrected last year. We had all the studs going crazy. LaShawn McCoy, DeMarco Murray, DJ, you know all the the cast of characters. And so you want to look at that and determine, especially on a slate-by-slate basis, and again, when we say slate, we just mean all of the available games in that specific contest and determine if it's going to make sense to go cheap at running back or if you're going to want to pay up. And since we're talking about running backs... We want to start with those stud running backs because of all of the upside and dual threat ability that they can provide you. And that's exactly what we saw last year with guys like David Johnson, etc. And I know that's an extreme example, but they're able to give you production in the running game and the passing game. And just what it comes down to for running backs in general is that it's one of the easiest positions to predict in fantasy football, especially in DFS. And when we're trying to win tournaments, it's already hard enough, right? We've already talked about you have to beat a ton of people. So don't overthink it. You need those opportunities. And running back is one of the easiest ways to predict. And so why not get your studs in there, especially again, when you're looking at the position as a whole. And until we see differently, All of these stud running backs are still healthy and they're going to get you 20 plus touches a week. Get those guys in there and then you still have seven other players, seven other positions, slots in your roster where you can start to be a little bit more contrarian there so you can try to rise up the leaderboard. But again, starting with the studs, you want those guys because their opportunities are easier to predict. How about you, Chris? Do you find yourself uh, paying up for a David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell more often than not? Or what's your what's your beginning approach? Yeah, I feel the same. I mean, you know, to echo Ben a couple of years ago, it was, you know, it was hard to really find a running back that you could trust. There was a lot of value at the position, but you were rolling out some guys that you just didn't really know what to expect with some of them. Like you're talking second string, third string backs. And last year, towards the halfway point of the season, certainly when Lev Bell got back into, you know, after he missed the first few games and he, you know, he started to feel comfortable, it was between him and David Johnson. I mean, you could pick your poison. I mean, they were both right at the top. They're, you know, sometimes in DraftKings over $10,000 mark. And you were comfortable rolling them out and paying that because you knew that they were going to touch the ball like 25, 30 plus times a game. And that was just guaranteed points. As Ben was saying, it's, it's easier to predict touches and targets from the running back position as opposed to a wide receiver or a tight end. So, yeah, I was paying up, and as the season goes on, you you start to get a a good feel of which teams can't stop the run, and sometimes you'll be able to find value. You look at fantasy points against, uh, you know, against the run. You You look at things like red zone rushing attempts, and that's where you can make it, 
a comparison between Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. You knew that Freeman was going to get those goal line touches. And, and when you're playing GPPs, guaranteed prize pool, you want to shoot for the upside. You want to shoot for those touchdowns. You want to you want a guy that's going to be that's going to get a few looks, maybe in the passing game, you know, in the red zone, especially uh, red zone rushing attempts. All of those things, like Melvin Gordon, he becomes a, a great play because you know once San Diego gets inside that red zone, if Philip Rivers aren't throwing to his boys the, the two tight ends, which he threw to a lot last year, he's going to hand the ball off to Melvin Gordon. So I'm looking at opportunity. And, and, and throughout the season, it, it will happen. I mean, if Ezekiel Elliott is a last-minute scratch, Darren McFadden will – people will pivot off and, and go to Darren McFadden. He'll be cert- he'll certainly be cheap because when the pricing happens early in the season, say Tuesday, right, off, right after that week happens, Darren McFadden, especially if Zeke is not on the injury report and everybody thinks he's fine, McFadden will have a set price. And if anything happens last minute – he'll become pretty cheap and people will pivot off maybe rolling Zeke in a good matchup. Even if it's a tough matchup, you can still roll out a running back that is fairly cheap because you know he's going to get a lot of opportunity. And that's the name of the game. It's all about volume. It's all about opportunity. And you look at just red zone opportunities and try to find some scoring. So two other things I want to hit on real quick. Running back by committee has infected the position, has infected fantasy football as a whole. It's a disease out there, head coaches, and we're, we're tired of it. It and is. It start, and it's, it's happening more and more. I mean, you see Denver, right? Denver says, yes. they say, we don't care about just C.J. Anderson. We want Jamal Charles Booker, too. That's the, the name of the game. We saw the Eagles last year roll out three or four backs. Ryan Matthews just frustrating to own. Like, you just, running back by committee, it's, it's happening more and more. We need a vaccination. And the only thing that we have so far <laughs> is to pivot to those guys, again, that we know we can predict the opportunity. And those are the studs. And rushing is so dependent, it correlates with team success so much that if you can pinpoint the stud running backs that are both involved in the running and passing games, you're not going to be as dependent on that game flow just in case you get it wrong. And a quick example, and I know it's an extreme example, but David Johnson in week 12 last year, they the Cardinals lost in Atlanta. And Johnson only got you 13 carries for 58 yards and no touchdowns. Well, that's awful, but... Because they lost and the game flow told the Cardinals to throw, he finished with eight catches for 103 yards and a touchdown in the passing game. That's great for Antonio Brown, and you got those rushing that rushing production sprinkled on top, which made him a great play. So if you can identify those guys involved in both situations, you have a lot more opportunities for them to pay off and to blow up in the game. And I remember there was a game last year, too, when you mentioned David Johnson, you know, going up against the Jets. They were a tough team to run against. I believe it was like 3.7 yards per carry, one of the best marks in the NFL. But they couldn't run on the Jets. But you you notice that David Johnson had a ton of targets and a ton of catches and just returned value through the passing game. I mean, full point PPR and DraftKings, half a point for FanDuel. All of those catches are going to add up. And one thing I like to, to target is like a running back. I know I talked about Bilal Powell last week, but... The Jets are not going to be in a lot of ball games, and he can catch the ball. And if he's going to get 10 targets a game, which is going to happen sometimes, he really is going to. We saw it toward the end of last season. He had a boatload of targets. It's going to happen. They're going to be playing catch-up a lot, and there's not a lot of great receivers in that core. He's probably maybe their best, uh, apart from Anunua. So just backs like that through just picking the underdog. I don't suggest it as much in cash games and 50-50, smaller contests, head-to-heads double ups, triple ups, but in GPPs, that's how you can just be a little bit different and contrarian. 
is just picking a back that you think will get maybe a few catches and just, hey, if he's going to get five or six catches and touch the ball 20 times on the ground, then I'm going to go with it, even if he is playing for a bad team. So speaking of, of contrarian, Ben, when you are uh, – so in, in a cash game, we talked about this in a couple episodes ago. You, know, you, want, you want floor, you want safety. Of course, you always want to have the upside because – you got to get you got to score points you got to get touchdowns in and such to just win a cash game but in when you're in the tournaments when you're in these gpps we've talked about you got to be contrarian you need to find a way to to stand out you don't want to just have the exact same players as everyone else because then your margin for separating is becomes much smaller uh, so do you find yourself when you're going into a gpp saying uh, I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna avoid, even though even though there's the studs, I'm gonna avoid them uh, altogether so I can be complete contrarian. Or do you say, well, I, it doesn't matter because they're getting so many points that I have to have at least one of them in my lineup. Yeah, there's certainly exceptions to every rule, but the general rule of thumb for running backs, especially like what we saw last year and until we see different, is kind of what we've already touched on. You want to get those stud running backs in and you don't really want to overthink own percentage because even if they're pretty high owned, we went over it last week. There are still other ways that you can make your lineup contrarian after you've locked in that guaranteed 20 touch running back and, and hopefully two of them. You can start working on your stacks or you can go with the quarterback running back stack that a lot of people aren't going to do or you know, you can play that contrarian tight end or that contrarian wide receiver because, again, with the NFL just inherently being subject to so much variance, pass catchers are subject to that more than running backs because, really, with running backs, talent doesn't even matter as much. If they're going to get 20 carries, they're going to put up points. Well, at the pass catcher position, they are are just having to deal with so many different things. Is the quarterback throwing them the ball? What's the quality of those targets? Obviously, we saw Brandon Marshall struggle with that highly last year. So there's just more to it. And I, that's why I think there's more merit in fading an Antonio Brown if you know he's going to be super high owned, like 30 35% owned, because even though we know Brown is going to blow up some weeks, he's also prone to some very low weeks as well, just because the nature of the position. Whereas if you can highlight these studs at the running back position, you're going to have a better chance of having them succeed on a week to week basis, especially when you're playing matchups. So my general rule of thumb is don't worry as much about own percentage with running back and focus on making your lineup contrarian at quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, and even defense. Yeah, you can really get yourself into trouble by avoiding playing Le'Veon Bell in, you know, especially in a GPP. If you're going in a smaller contest at 50-50 head-to-head, if, if the Pittsburgh is playing San Francisco and the defense is similar to what it was last year, allowing 4.8 yards per carry, it was Miami and it was San Fran, it was Indianapolis, it was Cleveland. These were the teams that we were picking on, and you'll see it as the season goes on. I mean, Buffalo allowed, you know, Jay Jai to run over twice, I mean, 200-plus, and I think another running back had Le'Veon Bell. He had, yeah, he had over 200 against us. So as the season goes on, you know, the secrets will be out on, on these defenses. We'll know who to target. And you may think, okay, Le'Veon Bell in this tournament is going to be owned maybe 56, 57%. That is huge. That is extremely high. Uh, but you can't think like, okay, I, I want to avoid this because everyone's going to have them. Well, 
you're missing out on like 30, almost 30 guaranteed points. You can be cute if David Johnson has a good matchup as well, and he's maybe a little bit cheaper, and you think perhaps the game script will go, okay, well, Pittsburgh's going to be completely up in this game. Maybe Le'Veon Bell's not even going to touch the field in the fourth quarter, and you want to pivot off him. You can do that if there's other stud running backs who have good matchups, like Ezekiel Elliott, like LaShawn McCoy, like a Melvin Gordon. Uh, you can do that. But again, when you start thinking about ownerships and, and just trying to avoid, just for the sake of avoiding, uh, that's where I think sometimes you can just get in trouble. Yeah, LaShawn McCoy, when he faced the 49ers earlier in the year and then the Browns later in the year, another term that we use in DFS is we say free square. And what that means, it's kind of just the bingo, bingo. reference. Exactly. If the matchup is so juicy and like McCoy on a team where we know they're, you know, Rex, when Rex Ryan was the coach, they're going to finish at the top of the league in rush attempts. Like when it just makes too much sense, like Chris said, you're getting too cute if you're passing up those 35 free points, because now even if McCoy is 40% owned, everybody is jumping ahead of you. And Again, if it's too good of a matchup to pass up, yeah, he's 45% owned. Everybody has him. But again, you have to have him to at least give yourself a chance. And now, like I said earlier, you can start building your lineup contrarian around that. Now, speaking of another free square type of a situation, Chris alluded to this earlier, where uh, let's say a backup is thrust into a starting role, but the the sites have not been able to adjust their salaries because it's it's the the prices are already set uh do you find yourself uh almost always plugging that running back in it obviously there's there's certain circumstances where you say uh uh Kenneth Farrell he's he's not actually that good and and Capri Bibbs and these these low really low level players but you let's say oh this player's got some juice and you know their their salary is essentially free but everyone's going to be on this player because it's a free square. Do you find yourself, Ben, uh, fading that situation, or do you find yourself leaning into it? Well, and again, that's why I threw out at the beginning, it depends on the slate, the number of games that are available, and what running backs are available to you once you kind of break down the matchups and you know do your rankings. Are there like seven, is every single stud running back in the league somehow on this slate, which makes it harder to go cheap because likely two of those seven are going to blow up and you might need them. But yes, as a general rule of thumb, I'm usually leaning into those guys because it, it exactly like you said, it goes to that same rule of thumb of it's a free square because even if he is going to be high owned, it's the running back position where opportunity matters more than talent. And if you're looking at the situation and saying he's not a great player and yeah, we don't want to stoop all the way down to the Kenneth Pharaohs, but if it's like a Spencer Ware situation when he took over a couple years ago and he's near minimum salary and you know it's a team like the Chiefs that like to run, yeah, you want to lean into that and don't worry. It's the same situation we talked about with the stud running backs. Don't worry as much about the own percentage because not only is he going to get you production, but he's also cheap, which is freeing up a lot of salary that allows you to go grab studs at that other running back position or at quarterback and stack them with the wide receiver one, which costs more and things of that nature as well. It's funny because I did, I had Kenneth Farrow down here and like he stinks. Yeah. And like, let's be real. He, he's, he's not good. And just because he's going to be bare, if he's bare minimum, I'm talking like the bottom of the salary. So like $3,000 DraftKings, like $4,500 fan, like FanDuel. If he's the, 
if he has a decent matchup and, you know, I could get behind certainly playing him in a, in a couple lineups. Uh, but I'm more rather to to just go and play Phillip Rivers because I feel like he's going to throw the ball like 50 times a game maybe because Farrow just can't get it done. We saw a guy like Wendell Smallwood. We saw Jaquiz Rogers at the start have terrific value, you know, in Tampa Bay for a couple games, and then his price starts to get too high. Devontae Booker was good at the start, and then he, and then he's meh, he's not very good. I mean, these guys are backups, backups for a reason. So uh, it it all depends for me on the matchup and what else is there. If there's if there's another back that's that I feel like is in a decent situation, uh, you know, maybe some guys are hurt in New England, and Rex Burkhead is like five thousand dollars, which I think is like the average on. DraftKings, you pay like $5,500. Like, I can get behind something like that. Uh, but I'm not just going to roll out Kenneth Farrow just because, you know, there's nobody else there because we've seen. We, he had that opportunity last year. It's, it's Sometimes it's rolling the dice. It's nice to have this opportunity, and you feel like maybe if he just finds the end zone, he can return value at that price point. But if he gets up to, you know, past the $6,000 range, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm just not spending up on and just hoping that Farrow can do something. You have I, to be a contrarian player but you have to be a smart contrarian player. And these are those situations with the running back position, especially where free squares, you just take them and you get contrarian elsewhere. I, th- I love the point, Chris, about the, the going almost double reverse psychology of the, the pivot where when the starting running back goes out, thinking, okay, the backup's going to be cheap, players are going to be on him, but I, I believe that that player stinks and that they're not even going to be able to use him. So... I thought that was an interesting point, bringing up, bringing up going. Well, I'm going to pivot to the quarterback, or I'm going to pivot to their tight end, or or something of that nature. Exactly. I mean, if you feel like San Diego is going to be able to move the ball in that ball game, and you feel like they're going to get into the red zone a couple times, it, you know, you look at the tight ends. This is a perfect example. I mean, Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates had a ton of targets in the red zone last year. So maybe you just you roll with Philip Rivers, or maybe you roll with you know one of those tight ends that you feel will get some opportunities because you don't feel like that back is actually good. Oh, it's such a great point. Love it. So let's move over to a different subject, which will bring you reports on this uh, uh, every single week in the ultimate DFS pass, but but that's Las Vegas, and they're referred to as the wise guys for a reason, these people who uh, professionally handicap games, and they have to be good for a reason because if they lose, then their uh, their owners lose a lot of money. So they're, they're frequently accurate in projecting how a game is going to go. Chris, talk a little bit about how – you can use the Vegas, uh, the handicap, the the over under uh, on the the game scores, the uh, the fav- Who's the favorite? Talk about how we can use that to our advantage when we're looking at running backs. Yeah, well, they build big bil- buildings in Vegas. Yes, right, they guys? do. I mean, very they know, big. They know what's going on there, so uh, they do a good job for sure. Uh, yeah, game script and over unders. I mean, these these are. Totals, these are things that you 100% have to look at. I mean, you, you really do. I mean, these guys, like you said, they're not just taking shots in the dark. They know what's going on here. And we kind of touched on this, you know, a couple episodes ago. For me, I'm f- like, again, I'll go back to the Patriots here. I mean, let's be real. I mean, their odds to go 19-0 and 0 is not even that great. I mean, people think that this could legitimately happen. They're a good team. Tom Brady has a ton of weapons. When they get going and they're playing a team like, you know, the Jets or a San Fran or a Cleveland, it just anybody who you feel like they're going to blow out. It's 
perfectly fine to roll out a Gillisley where people might think, oh, I don't know how many touches this guy's going to get. And you, again, you'll get a feel when the season goes on and how they'll use their backs. Maybe New England is a bad example as Belichick's already trying to like sure. tell us that, you know, Gillisley is, is not an all-around back or James White is not an all-around back or guys that he wants in, in his backfield. But Going into the third and the fourth quarter and in the second half, if New England is really up by you know 20-plus, three touchdowns, they're going to run the ball. They really are. And you're going to get value just on that alone. And I like to target, as I mentioned, Bilal Powell as an example. Some of these running backs that I know will, will get a few looks in the passing game because they're going to have to play catch-up. They're going to try to win. I mean, the Jets doesn't seem like they want to win. I mean, they're get, they've gotten rid of everybody basically in the offseason. But at the same time, like they're still going to return value and just opportunity. So that, that's a thing too as well. I mean, you look at the high totals and just because you look at, and we talked about this before with, with the Saints and the, and the Giants because it happened one year, we all thought it was going to happen again. A lot of people will look at that, especially Sharks in, in big GPPs like the Millionaire Maker where there's a lot of lineups in there. A lot of people will target that one game and kind of forget about the one that say the giants and the, and the saints are a total of 51 and a half. They'll all go to that and they'll forget about the Atlanta and, and Tampa game. That's at 48 and a half and it, it is in a dome as well. It, sometimes it's okay to go to that second highest or that third highest. And that's how you can kind of be contrarian as well. But I like to target backs that I think we'll get a lot of play in the second half, whether it's going to be up or it's going to be down. And sometimes whether it's going to be down, like you mentioned, Mike, about underdogs, certainly quarterbacks, I think about that a lot. And running backs, you can as well. If a team's going to be down in a game, if people will think, oh, they're not going to score any touchdowns. I get this all the time. Why do you have Powell rank so high? Well, I feel like he's going to catch the ball a lot in a PPR format. And this is what we're talking about here in Daily Fantasy Sports. Chris, you're pretty good at this thing, man. Yeah. I, I, he he I, also thinking, loves Bilal Powell. He, <laughs> <laughs> I talk about him all the time. I know. I, I think come he up owns with about every single team. Uh, yeah. The, the, sp- the spread in Vegas is telling you who they think is going to win the game and who they think is going to lose. And like Chris has hit on numerous times with Bilal Powell, that can work <laughs> in both directions. If you think the Jets are going to lose. Theoretic. Theoretic. Yeah, yeah, there if we you go. think Detroit's going to lose, maybe that means more targets for Theoretic. But general rule of thumb, again, you ca- I'm looking at that the other way. Who's winning? Who's going to win the game? Because, of course, rushing success is very correlated with that team's success. And like Chris said, you want to be predicting those guys that are getting those opportunities in the second half. And, you you know, like I I touched on it a little bit last week with my process. I like to target home favorites uh, because home, you know, home teams win more games. And so those favorites are going to be more predictable. And per Jonathan Bales, one of his DFS books, uh, overall, he kind of looked at some data and said that home teams win more games than road teams, and that makes a whole ton of sense. So you want to target those running backs at home because they're going to win more and because that is going to lead to more points. But real quick, and Chris kind of hinted at this with the pass-catching running back example, there is merit going back to the studs that we talked about. You know, We kind of made it seem like every single stud every single week is high-owned. That's not always the case. And so you can also use Vegas lines to try to get a little contrarian here as well and say, well, McCoy's a stud, but he has a really tough matchup against Seattle this week and they're on the road. So I know he's going to be really low owned. However, like we touched on earlier, he is a pass catching running back and you can make the argument that he's the second best wide receiver on the freaking team. So even (laughs) if they lose, there's a chance that McCoy is going to be very highly involved regardless. And if he blows up, 
that's one of those situations where you can say, because we, you know, we're talking about it right now because we pay so much attention to the Vegas lines, people are going to fade him even more. And there's a chance for you, if you're feeling it, to get a guy that could win you a GPP because you get a stud like McCoy at 3% owned. Don't sleep on my boy Zay Jones. Oh, okay, 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 okay. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I, 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 I echo that as well. I feel, I feel that with LaShawn McCoy. And I think we touched on that with, again, with Seattle, with Mike Evans last last episode and last year. He had a really good matchup, I believe, against the Saints. Didn't do anything. Everyone pivoted off of him, avoided him against Seattle, and he kind of went off. So uh, that's a way of being contrarian, too. It's, uh, it's a great, great point, Ben. All right. The last kind of strategy point we'll talk about here is we're going to talk about stacking because a quarterback, wide receiver, the stack, it – it just makes sense, right? If if a wide receiver has a big game, that means his quarterback uh, likely had himself a good day as well. But a, a maybe the the lesser thought of stack of quarterback and running back. How how do you approach that, Chris? Do you find yourself wanting to to shy away from that because it it seems like you know just at face value it doesn't necessarily make sense because if if there's a rushing touchdown. Both of your players didn't score, but then you also have the possibility of uh, going back to the Patriots. Tom Brady goes full ham, and then Mike Gillisley takes over and cleans everything up in the second half. But So how do you personally approach that type of a stack? Well, what Jets quarterback can I play with Bilal Powell? <laughs> I mean, let's be real here. Let's oh, so who's going to be the quarterback? You'll so, no, be rostering Hackenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. So a couple years ago, the first three winners in the in the Sunday Million on FanDuel, it was, and I don't know this order, but I know it because well, I hosted the FanDuel show and I looked at the lineups. It was Brady and Deion Lewis one week, and it was Big Ben and Le'Veon Bell one week, and it was Philip Rivers. And Danny Wood had another week. And it was just like, whoa, this doesn't always happen and work out that way. And, of course, we have some of these guys who can catch balls and, and they don't have a great quarterback. Uh, example, Powell. But with some <laughs> of the – Powell is banned from this show. It's <laughs> only done. the third show. We won't show even bring him done. up anymore. Like, you know, no more. Like, I've already <laughs> talked like enough about I did like the pivot to Rick. I did like that one. <laughs> So, <laughs> so uh, again, like, will I have some lineups with Danny Woodhead and Flacco if his back is okay? Like, yeah, I will because I feel like now with Kenneth Dixon there and Terrence West is starting well, to move up the depth charts. With, yeah, with him gone, and he's going to get more play. And with people, you know, loving Terrence West right now, maybe he'll get the goal line carries, and that's something to think about and be a little bit contrarian, but I want the safety, and I think Danny Woodhead will get a lot of targets. So, yeah, I understand, you know, when your point of view, Mike, and a lot of people think like this is, okay, well, if Gillisley gets that touchdown and you got White and Brady, you're missing out on both of them. Uh, and that is that's concerning, but maybe you just target a, f- a backfield that is less complicating, uh, and you can uh, just through attrition and targets alone. Um, you know, some of these quarterbacks, like I like a David Johnson, like a Le'Veon Bell. These guys were almost getting you know anywhere you can almost bank on sixty to a hundred plus receiving yards, and that all adds up. and And if he can take one of the house that's thirty plus yards, that is just a bonus. Plus. That back is just going to continue to get work elsewhere, and then you just hope that that quarterback can, can toss a couple out. I mean, 
we talked before about team stacks and I will be doing it uh, almost, uh, probably every single week. I'll roll out a Patriots team and I'll probably roll out a Steelers team. It doesn't happen all the time, but uh, sometimes, you know, the offense just gets spread out enough that you can just return value on, on, on just getting a, it, it's important it, that back has to be able to catch balls. You have to be able to, you have to, just project that he's going to get five plus targets and, and catch a few balls. You, you don't want a Laguerre Blunt and a Carson Wentz. That is just that's just not smart at all. It depends on the amount of games available in the slate because, and we touched on this when we talked about all the different slates. All you know, the number of games available in the contest. When you start to get into the afternoon and the prime time where there's not nearly as many games, then the quarterback running back stack, even if it is a pure runner like a Gillisley that we've thrown out there, it's a lot more plausible because there's a lot less options. But at the end of the day, most people are still not going to do it because they're afraid of that negative correlation. So that's where the Vegas lines come into play again, because if you're looking and Vegas has, you know, we'll keep using the Patriots as an example. If they have them, you know, projected for 30 plus points, then you know, we're looking at four to five touchdowns. And if they hit that, there's a chance for both players to hit. So it certainly is a possibility. But again, even with everybody knowing to look at those Vegas lines, they're still going to sit there and say, well, I'm not going to do this stack because what are the chances that it hits? But again, you have to always go back to that foundation of what are the chances I'm going to win this GPP regardless. So a lot more plausible in short game slates, but it is still an option in huge slates, if you see that, you know, that that golden opportunity for a team to just blow up and score 35, 42, 49 points. And Aaron Rodgers in a Ty Montgomery is a decent example, too. I know they drafted some backs and, you know, we're starting to get some buzz with Jamal Williams. But, you know, he, you know that Aaron Rodgers is going to get his. I mean, he throws the ball a ton in the red zone. He wants to get those touchdowns. He can move around in the pocket. He can get you points that way. He's going to throw the ball to Ty Montgomery. Montgomery's going to have a few rushes. Maybe we'll start to see Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey have that kind of rapport as well, where Cam Newton could run it in, as can Aaron Rodgers, and they can also throw the ball to these backs. These guys can line up as wide receivers uh, and get you points that way as well. Yeah, Montgomery and Woodhead are great examples because they could run run in a touchdown, but like you've already alluded to, they could also catch a touchdown from the quarterback and there's your unique stack right there well there it is folks bask in it fill the tub just have yourself a good soak in that running back (laughs) knowledge as we are getting you ready for the football season it is very 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 close want to remind everyone to visit the the ultimate dfspass.com that's where you're going to get all this all the premium information we're going to make it as easy as possible for you to get in there and start having success playing DFS for my co-hosts Ben Cummins and Chris Meany. I am Mike the Fantasy Hitman Wright. Uh, we we will see you next time on the episode and and we will uh, do our best to guarantee it as a no Patriots, no Bilal Powell episode. Or we're, we're throwing Meany off of the show. Hey, I'm not talking Powell anymore the rest of the year. <laughs> I'm going to start working on other examples. <laughs> Alright, have a good one everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.